Good morning. Everybody doing good? That's really weak. Mobile, you guys are live over there, I'm sure. Foley, it's great to have you guys with us. And listen, as Pastor Dale said, let's give everybody online that's, that's plugged in on Church Online, let's give them a big hand again. Come on. Yeah. We've got a new group in England that's plugged in right now. We give you guys a shout out. Thanks for being with us this weekend. Uh, listen, a couple things I want to I share with you. Ladies, I really want you to take advantage of the conference. Uh, it is limited seating, but I want you to be part of that. This has been planned and, and prayed over and strategized. This is really for you. It's a very important weekend for you. You're going to be ministered to. You're going to be blessed. Two phenomenal speakers. One's going to be with us the entire weekend. So we're excited about that. Uh, and, you know, uh, guys, you're okay with that, right? The ladies come? Okay, I need all the guys. I need all the guys to take your wallet out and hand it to your wife, your spouse. Yeah. Okay, now ladies, go get your tickets. You're, you're free. They'll take care of the kids and the cleaning the house, the whole thing. So you got it. It's a good weekend for you. Uh, also, I want to mention to you, if you have not been through Freedom Ministry, we've been doing this for about four or five years now, and every year we tweak and we're adjusting and we're getting it where it just fits us. If you have not been through this, I believe every believer needs to go through this class, and I encourage you to do it. It starts on the 29th, and you can go online and get more information uh, about Freedom Class. You, you will be blessed and be ministered to in that class. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Romans chapter 7 and Galatians 3. Romans 7, Galatians 3. We're in the second part of a series, The Grace of God. This one I titled, Too Good to Be True. Here's why I did that. Growing up, my dad used to say this, and some of you by your age can answer this. Uh, you'll know it. Dad would say, if it's too good to be true, it probably is, right? Yeah. So, grace, is it too good to be true? Well, it is true. It is too good to be true because when you think about it, we were sentenced to hell, and if we become born again, we're sentenced to an eternal heaven. I mean, that's just incredible. Is it too good to be true that sin was imputed to us before we're ever born? Before we ever did anything right or wrong, we're, we're a sinner by nature. We're born as a sinner, and, and that was imputed to us through the first Adam. So is it too good to be true that righteousness has been imputed to us through the second Adam? That's Jesus. That's the good part. Everybody said, thank you, Jesus. Okay, so that, that's the good part. The purpose of this series, uh, how, many, how many of you, uh, you, you, were, you heard last weekend's message? You were part of that. You were able to pick it up. Okay, let me do it this way. Everybody, you, you were not able to listen to or you haven't yet. Just, it's okay. We're not going to make you stand up or anything. Okay, good. Please go on and, and listen to that because they, it's all interlocked and building blocks as we get into this series. And I want you to get it all because the purpose of the series is to bring a clearer, full revelation of the complete work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. What he did on our behalf. I want you to see that in its entirety. Now, if, if I wanted to give a subtitle of this message, you could call it the marriage of grace. And I'll tell you why. Most of us understand that the church is the bride of Christ. So Jesus is, is the husband. Okay, If you're a believer, you're part of the church. The church isn't a denomination. The church is every believer on the face of the earth. We make up the church. The, and, and, and so Jesus is our husband. But most don't understand that before you were married to Christ, you were married to someone else. And I know you may be thinking Satan, right? Well, no, it, it may have felt like that, but um, <laughs> I'm not talking about marriage in the natural, okay? <laughs> and, uh, I know. I mean, if we're talking about marriage in the natural, if somebody would say, oh, yeah, I was Beelzebub. I was married. Yeah, I, I know. 
No, no, I'm not talking about marriage in the natural. Before you, before you were married uh, you, to Jesus, you were married to the law. Okay? If I, were to, if I had the opportunity to get one-on-one with you and to pose a question to kind of put you on the spot and ask you the question, hey, are we under the law? Some of you would say no. And then me being mean would say no. Really? Well, well it's sort of. Sort of? Are, are you sure? Well, not, not really. I, I, I'm not sure. You're the pastor. You tell us. Well, the problem has been that many preachers, many pastors haven't told you. And so we have very, we're very confused in the church, not this church, but, but in the church, the body. And, and you know, we, we have some, I, I have some things that, that over the years I constantly do. This is about the fourth time I've been able to teach grace. And, and there's just some things like on worship and giving and grace. There are just some staples, some things that have to be ingrained in people. And this is one of them. Because if not, we'll be confused in the church about these topics. And so we're going to talk about law and grace. So here's what I want to do. The, the body of this is just simply some questions about the law. So let's, let's go to the first question that I've already kind of posed. Here's the first one. Are we under the law? Even though it's difficult to answer, and even though the Bible specifically says we're not, Romans six fourteen, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law but under grace, many would still have a problem answering this question. So let me ask it another way. Are we married to the law? Are we married to the law? Now, in this series, we're going to study the law. We're, we're going to look at this topic, and we're going to look at the appropriate, inappropriate application of the law to a believer and to an unbeliever. But that's later on in the series. So here's the question you may be having after what I've said. Is the law bad? No, the law is not bad. Is the law evil? No, the law is not evil. But understand that as a believer, we have been released from the law so we can be married to Christ. And if you don't understand that, have clarity in that, here's, what, here's how it affects you. You're not able to walk in the communion with Christ that he wants you to walk in. There's not the closeness, there's not the intimacy with him that he wants. So the law is not bad. The law is a tutor. Talk more about this in another message. It's a tutor to bring us to Christ. But let, let me tell you who is bad, and that's Satan. And he has many names in the scripture. One of his names is the accuser of the brethren. And, and, and here's, here's what he accuses us with. Most of the time when he accuses a believer, he uses the law. He knows the law. So he uses the law to accuse you. So here's Paul in Romans chapter 7 verse 1. And, and I'm going to insert things into this but I because I want you to see what he's doing. Let me set all this up. Verse 1. Do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law. He's talking to people like you. You know, you you'd probably know the law, what the word says, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. The law has dominion over man as long as he lives. And now here's what he's going to do. He's going to give these people, like he's talking to the church, just like I'm talking to the church, he's going to give these people an example in the natural. He's going to go and take a law that they know, and he's going to use it as an example. Here's the law he pulls out. For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released, notice the word release, from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she's free from that law so that she's no adulteress, though she married another man. Now, here's what he's going to do. This is what he's saying. I'm paraphrasing. Here's what I'm trying to teach you through this illustration. He just pulled a law out, and he's using it as an example, an illustration. Now, Paul says, here's what I want to teach you. Verse 4, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, 
that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. So Paul gives a natural example that according to the law, when two people are married, it's until death do you part. In the same way, you're married to the law and you need to die to the law so you can be married to another and the other is Jesus Christ. So he's using this example in the natural. So don't get hung up on that. That's another topic, another sermon. The law was your first husband. You were married to the law so you can be released to marry Christ. So before we talk about our new husband, let, let, let's talk about our old husband. What kind of husband do you think the law would make? Is the law going to be a kind and gentle husband? Is the law going to be a forgiving husband? Do you think the law would be loving and, and caring and considerate husband? No. The law always points out what you do right and what you do wrong. The law more than, than, than often will speak out of what you do wrong than what you do right. And it says you did this wrong, you thought that wrong, you acted wrong, you said this wrong. Oh, yeah, you did that right, but look how really wrong you were in this. But, yeah, okay, you did that right. That's what it's like being married to the law. And, and by the way, I've got, I've got one little hint for you in this message. No elbowing. Okay, don't elbow anybody. As we go into this, it, it reminds you, just keep your elbows to yourself. Okay, the law is an overbearing, fault-finding, critical, judgmental, mean-spirited husband. And no pointing either. Uh, that, that's what the law is. And it's always telling us what we do wrong. How, how many of you do something wrong, you know, quite often? Okay, we got a few saints in here. Most people were honest and raised their hands. Okay. We read in Romans 7, we're married to the law, and as long as you both shall live. Guess what? The law is never going to pass away. The law is never going to die, and so it sounds hopeless. It sounds like it's hopeless, but God comes up with this brilliant plan. The law is not going to die, but you can. You can die to self. You can die to your way. You, you, can, you can die to yourself, and you can be married to another Christ Jesus. So according to Romans 6, the way you get saved is we die to self, and we die to ourself. Then we're released from the law, and now we can marry another, and that's Christ. Understand the law is not bad. It came from God, but there is someone who is bad. That's Satan. His job is to accuse the people that, of God that, and, and that, who, who, that the law says, and the law did this, and you failed, and you made a mistake, and, and you're, oh, you're a Christian? Really, look at the way you acted. Constant accusation by using the law as a reference point to go back to. Now, let's look at another question. This question says, can the law justify? Romans 3.20. Let's see what the Bible says. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight for the law. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Romans 3.28. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Here's, here's where Paul's predicament is. In Paul's day, people would go around and they say, we preach what Paul preaches. We preach the gospel of Paul. That's what we preach. But they had it wrong. We believe that, here's what they're saying. We believe that you're saved by putting your faith in Jesus, but in order to stay saved, you have to do the works of the law. You got this list of things. You got to do all these things to stay safe. In order to grow and mature and stay safe, you have to do all the works of the law. In order to be sanctified, set apart, and go on to maturity, you're going to have to do the works of the law. Look, that's 2,000 years ago that he's dealing with this. And, and, and you think, well, surely that's not preached today. Well, it is. 
but it's, in, it's taught in very subtle ways. Most of us have been taught this way. Most of us grew up in the Bible Belt. You have been taught this way in a lot of fashions. So Paul has to deal with this problem. And, and, and so he, he's coming to the Galatians. That's what the book of Galatians is written about. He's coming with this problem to these people. And here's what he says in Galatians 3.1. He says, Oh, foolish Alabamians. Yeah. Yeah. Our Americans. <laughs> Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, but before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? Verse 2, this only I want to learn from you. In other words, here's what he's saying. I got a question for you. If you believe that you mature by the works of the law, I have a question for you. Here's the question. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? So let me ask you, did you receive the spirit of God, the spirit of Christ by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Hearing of faith. Verse three, are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh or the word is really complete. You started by the spirit. You come to God, your spirit man's alive. So now are you going to be complete by the flesh, by what you do in the flesh, by your works? Who's tricked you? Who's cast a spell on you that you think somehow beginning in grace, putting your faith in Christ, but now you mature by doing the works of the law? He says, that's foolishness. And here's the reason why they thought that. I think it's the reason we think that. Let me give you an example. You were married to the law before you were married to Jesus. If you're a believer and you've come to Christ, let's say you're 20 years old when you come to Christ. So for 20 years, you were married to the law. And here's what you heard in your mind. You did that wrong. You didn't get that right. You failed at this. You didn't get that right. Oh, look, you know, you can't do it right. And, 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 and you're wrong again. Then you become a believer. Then all of a sudden now you're married to a loving, compassionate, kind, gentle, merciful husband who doesn't talk to you that way. And for years we had the old husband. And, and, and I think it's hard for us to get used to the new husband because we were with the old one for a long time. And we've heard all of this all, all the guilt and all the condemnation and all the wrong and all, identifying everything wrong, nothing positive, nothing affirmation, no, nothing else. It's always the wrong. And, and, and see, I think it's hard to change because for years we, we go to church and even in churches, we, we've heard it preached. We need to serve the old husband, not the new one. In other words, here's this list of things and you need to do all these things and then you, then you'll be okay. And so we have all these lists. And so here we are in church. We're trying to get it right, trying to do this. We're trying to follow a list. And, and so here's what, that, let, let me give you an example of what that really looks like. And here's what, you know, Jesus is your new husband, but you're married to the law. But you've got this list of things you're trying to do. This is what many believers try to do. They try to please their old husband by keeping a good relationship with the old husband. I, 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 try that in the natural. How's that going to work out for you, huh? I mean, it's like many people listen to me. You've been married before, and, and, and it's kind of like saying to your new spouse, oh, guess what? Uh, I've been going over to my old spouse's house and serving my old spouse, and I just wanted to ask you, is that making our relationship better? Yeah. Uh, th that's what we do to Jesus. That's what we do to him. We say, look, Jesus, how well I'm serving. I got 11 out of the 12 this week. I only messed up one time. I did this and I got this right. Look at, look at the list. Look, look how well I'm doing, Lord. Give me a pen. I need a pen. Put me a pen on my shirt. I, I've done so well. Does it make you feel better, Jesus? Uh, un, uh, understand that God gave us the law. The law, watch, is the moral standard of God. But Jesus 
wants to be married to a person, not a list. We're, we're the bride of Christ, okay? He's the groom. When we get to heaven, we're going to be married to him, okay? And so he doesn't want to be married to a list. He wants to be married to a person. It's better to have a wonderful relationship with Jesus than a list because the law is legalism. And, 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 and the law cannot justify. It just cannot. Here's the third question. Can the law empower? Listen, it can't help you do what's right. Listen to me. The law cannot help you do what's right. It can't produce anything good or righteous. Let's go back to verse 4, Romans 7. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to one another, to him who was raised from the dead. Watch why. That we should bear fruit to God. The only way to bear fruit to God is to be married to Jesus. Let me say it this way. The law is an impotent husband and has no power to help you do the right thing. Let me illustrate it this way. I'll use me as an example, okay? Let's say you knew me in high school and you came up to me and you haven't seen me in years and you say, man, it's good to see you. But, you know, I, I remember I, I used to hear in high school that you were a thief. Yeah, I, I, I stole things all the time. In fact, in high school they said that, that I picked up things rather easily. And, you know, yeah, that didn't go over on any of them. <laughs> but, but, but I hear you don't steal anymore. So what happened? Well, you know, that's right. But you know what? I, I started reading the law. And I read in the law, thou shalt not steal. And bam, I'm, I don't steal anymore. I, 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 it's amazing. It's amazing law. I, I, I have the knowledge that stealing is wrong and I've never stolen again. Is that your story? See, I, in any area of your life, once you get the knowledge that it was wrong, could you quit doing it? See, or, or let, let's use this, this phrase, you know, hey, I, I hear you don't covet anymore. You're exactly right. I am set free. I didn't even notice you got a new Mercedes. I, I didn't even see it. it, it it's amazing <laughs> because the law said thou shalt not covet. I just don't covet anymore. I didn't even notice that what you're driving, you know. I mean, the law has done it for me. I mean, you know, it should be amazing law. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. <laughs> this hasn't happened to you. Here's why. Because the law is impotent and, and cannot produce good fruit. It, it, it just can't. The law has never produced anything good because by the law is the knowledge of sin, but how to have righteousness in your life comes only through Jesus Christ. So Galatians 2.21, for I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. If we could be right through the law, then everything Jesus did was in vain. He wasted his time. He wasted the pain, the problem, everything he went through. You know, the, the law cannot empower you, but I'm telling you the law is not bad. I'm saying the way you're going to produce good fruit is to have a good relationship with Jesus, your new husband. In verse 6, go back to it, it says, but now we have been released we read that in the, in the New King James. I want to show you that in the New American Standard because a better word there is released. It says, but now we've been released from the law, having died to that which we were bound so that we serve a newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter of the law. So in the Greek, the word released is a military term and it means discharged. So while in the military, if, I don't know how many of you, I, I didn't serve in the military, but those of you that did, thank you. But if you were in the military, you, you know that you submitted to authority and that authority told you what to do, when to do it, how to do it, where to do it. You submitted to that authority because you signed up. 
but you served your term. And then one day you are discharged. You put on civilian clothes and you're on your way here. Here you go. You're going to go back to the civilian life. And I think for a period of time, you still hear the voice of that leader. I was talking to a military man after the last service, and he was talking about how this thing, everything in your mind is such a reflex in this repetitive training and over and over and over. And I said, that's exactly right. That, that's, that's another word in the Greek. It's just this repetitive training over and over. And so when you, when you, it's so hard to break away from this, this law, what's been told over and over. Oh, you got to do this. Oh, you got to do that. Got to do this. Follow these. Do this. Do this. Do this. And so for a while, you still hear that voice. Here's what God's telling us, that when you're born again, you are discharged from the voice of the law. You're not under its authority anymore. And if you, and if you're discharged and you still live under the voice of the law, your Christian life will be miserable. I think that's why so many people want to give up on Christianity is because they're still, they're still married to the law. But now watch, we we're not under the law and the law cannot justify us and the law cannot empower us. But here's my fourth point. Love can love in the generic sense. God is love. Say it with me. God is love. love. See, God doesn't just have love. He is love. So it can, God can justify just as if you've never sinned because of love and God can empower because of love. Righteousness comes from knowing the Lord. The reason for so much controversy over law and grace is because Satan wants to keep us in bondage. But remember what we read in Romans 6, for the sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. The law shall not have dominion over you because you're not under the law, you're under grace. The only way the law can have dominion over you is if you stay married to the law. If you keep yourself under law, then sin has dominion over you. And some, some, some say, yeah, but you know, these who are speakers of the law, you know, they say, no, but if you preach on grace, then people are going to be free to go out and sin. No, 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 that's, that's not true. People go out and sin when you preach on the law. Many of you were raised in denominations. You were raised in church where you had this list, all these things you had to do. I was raised that way. My dad was a pastor, but there's this list of things you cannot and could not do. And I'm telling you as a teenager, as a kid, it was boring. You couldn't do anything. So everything was no, don't, no, don't. And so, you know, guess what happened to the majority of the people that I grew up with? They got in trouble by the time they're 16. Why? Because you say no, 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 no. And and, and so what are you doing? You're strengthening, you're, you're strengthening sin. That's what law does. It strengthens sin. You understand that with God, everything is opposite in our natural mind. If you want to live, you got to die. If you want to receive, you have to give. If you're stingy and cheap, you're, you're never going to receive. You, you're, you're going to have to give to receive. And if you want authority, you got to get under authority. If you want people to live righteously, the natural man says, preach the law. Give it to them. Tell them what they can and can't do. Tell them to walk the line. Tell them to be doing this and this. But the spiritual man says, oh, no, no, no. Preach grace and, preach grace and forgiveness. I had a man tell me last night, and he's, he's been here several weeks uh, or a couple months, and man, he, he's, God's transforming his life, and, and he, he's a big guy. And he, he said, listen, I, it makes sense now. I, I, I know why I'm so drawn to this place because this place is so full of the love of God and not the laws and the restriction, and people accept me just like I am. Here, here's, here's why it has to be that way, because Jesus is not going to be beaten again for you. Jesus is not going to be nailed to a cross again. It's done. And in that should make you, if, if, 
if that makes you want to go out and sin again, something's wrong. You're, you're messed up. You, you, you have to say, are you even saved? But if you're saved, you know what he did for you. You know he loved you in spite of your failures. You know you couldn't get it right. You've tried. That's why God let the people of Israel go for such a long time trying to get all this law right. And they get to the place where it's like, we can't do this. And they lost generations trying to do it. They could not do it. And it took Jesus coming to extend grace to us to say, okay, I can't do it. I need a savior. But through love and grace, I can do it. I can do all things because of love and grace. And it makes me want to say thank you. And and see, I'm talking about being governed by a force that's stronger than law. And the force is love. So watch the scripture, 1 Corinthians 15, 56. The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. What, what is the strength of, of, of sin? The law. The law. That's the strength of sin. So the more you say, don't, you can't, don't do this, do this, line up to this, check into this, do, 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 do this and don't do that, or you got to do this, the more we do. We do, we do, we do. What? We're strengthening, we're, we're feeding sin. The law cannot help you. It cannot empower you to live righteously. Only grace can. Now, let, let me use this illustration, and this time I'm going to use you instead of me. Because I want you to understand, you know, most of you are probably married. Some of you are not, and, you know, you, you will be. But so just use this. You, you've been married for blank years. You, if you don't know that guy how many years, just ask real quick. But, you, you know, you should have an idea, okay? Five years, 10 years, 20 years, 40 years, whatever. You've been married for blank years. So what if you told your spouse when you married them, that you'll be faithful to him, to her, because it's the right thing to do? Because you know the law says to be faithful. If not, then if I'm not faithful, I'm an adulterer, and I'm going to be faithful because the law says so. And the law of the land says, we've got to be submitted to the law of the land, that if I'm unfaithful, you can divorce me and probably get at least half of what I have. So you can rest easy. I, it, it's a, it, you know, I, it, I, I'm, not, I'm going to be faithful. It's okay. Is that a good spouse? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Is that a good spouse? Anybody want to be married to that? No. So what I'm talking about is being governed by a force stronger than law, which is love. But then let's flip it around. What if you told your spouse you've been married to X amount of years when you married them, I'll be faithful to you. I'll love you all the days of my life because I love you from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. I love you. When I see you at the end of the day, when I see you, I'm smitten by you. I love you. I want to spend the rest of my life with you. And and, and, and no matter what, I love you. And I want to be part of that. Ladies, which one do you want to hear? The first or the second? The second, yeah. What about Jesus? Which one does he want to hear? Oh, Jesus, I'm saying to you, listen, I, I love you. Here's the list. Look. He doesn't want to be married to a list. He wants to be married to a person. Look at the list. I got 11 out of 12 this week. Oh, this is a bad week, Jesus. I only got 6 out of 12. Please don't kick me out. Please don't punish me. Please don't put me in timeout. Please don't do this. See, he wants to be married to a person. But let's flip it around from Jesus. He's the groom. And let's say he, he, he wants to speak to you and he's saying, listen, listen, I'll, I'll never leave you and forsake you. And, and the reason I'm going to do that, because it's the right thing to do. And it's what the father told me to do. And it's in the Bible. So I got to do what's in the Bible. So I'm, I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. No, he says, I'll never leave you or forsake you because I love you. I love you before you were born. I loved you before the world was created. I, lo- I knew you in your mother's womb. I knew you before you were even created. I knew you when you were born. I love you and I gave my life for you. You see, he's our new husband, and when we, say, when we say because you loved me first and you gave your life for me, then I don't want to sin. 
Once I capture this love and what he's done for me, not rules and regulations, not a list, but because he loved me when I was unlovable, then I realize how great and how powerful what he did for me. And now I don't want to sin. Am I going to sin? Sure, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm not perfect. Now the law would say, no, you got to be perfect. But, 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 the, but, but the law is feeding the strength of sin. No, no. I, 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 if you're born again, you're not in sin. But now you may sin, you may make a mistake because you're not perfect. I realize that. But you see, I, th- I think so few people know this kind of love, but don't know this kind of love because they don't realize they are loved. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. We're governed by something stronger than the law is love. Love is the strongest force in the world. You've heard me teach. I'm not talking about the love of the land. I'm not talking about the flesh. I'm not talking about all those types of love that the Greek gives us. I'm talking about agape love. I'm talking about the love of God is the strongest force in the world. So fall in love with Jesus and you'll live a righteous life and a holy life serving him. No, it won't be perfect. I understand that. And, and here, here's the way I want you to see this as I end this. Listen, I want you, as you've heard the word of God, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? And, and here's why. If you're dealing, and I, I really believe this is for so many people. If you're dealing with a sin or a reoccurring sin, a sin that holds you in bondage, remember where we started in Romans 6, that sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, you're under grace. If you're dealing with a sin, a reoccurring sin, and it that won't let go of you, is it possible that you keep putting yourself under the law? Is it possible you're still serving the law? You're not serving out of love. You're serving out of obligation and out of duty, say, and you're trying to get the list right because you don't understand unconditional love. So you think if you get the list right, then God will accept you like from that list because you got it right. Listen, you're never going to get the list right. You're never going to get the list right. But that doesn't matter to God because he loves you if you don't ever get the list right. He loves you unconditionally. So here's what I'm asking you. You know, if, if it's don't, 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 I'm telling you that the grace of God will set you free from that. And I think a lot of us struggle with these reoccurring sins because we, 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 we're going over to visit the, the, the old husband. We're going over to try to serve the old husband. And, and our motives are wrong because of the way we've been taught and the way we've been trained and what's been input, and imputed into us. Listen, gr- growing up and being taught and, and, and all of these different things, it, 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 puts, it, it puts you in such an odd place because you're never taught how to develop relationship with Jesus. It's all about performance. It's all about perfection. It's all about doing certain things. And so a lot of us grew up not knowing the intimacy of Jesus. We think it's about the list It's not about the list. That's where the law has got us off base. It's not about the law. It is about the love. And when I know the love of God, then he puts something in my heart that I naturally, I just don't want to do anything that's going to hurt that relationship. I naturally just want to love him. It's not something I have to drill myself through every day. It's not something I have to do spiritual push-ups every day. It's not something I have to grind and do and hard and push. And I have to line up and salute this thing and come into this. No, 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 no. I am set free from 
that voice. Now the love of God is operating inside of me. And now I have a relationship based on who I am. And as I receive that relationship, all of a sudden, all the dynamics of my life start to change because I'm not being, I'm not being stopped by the law. I'm living in love and mercy and grace. And I believe there are people listening to me right now. You're going through difficulties. You're struggling. You're under, you're under an attack and your mind, you want to give up. You want to throw the white flag up. You want to give in. But I think it's because you got one foot in the, in the old husband's house and one foot in the new husband's house. And you don't know how to relate to a new loving husband who loves you unconditionally. So here's what I want to do. I really believe the Mobile campus, Foley campus, Malbus. I, I believe there are people going through difficulties right now. You're struggling. And you, and you, 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 you see people who are like, man, I, I want what they have. And we're so, so ingrained in us and we're so taught that we have to perform, perform, perform. And, 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 and that's not it. When I have the love and the grace of God, I want to serve because now I'm full of the love of God. It's not because I have to. It's not because now I'm trying to check off the list. It's because now I love God. I get to do something for God. I get to serve God. I get to love God. I get to thank God. I get to worship God. It changes me from the inside out. Listen, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. In a moment, one of the pastors will come and and give you directions. And we'll have leaders come to the front. But if you need prayer in this area of your life, please don't be embarrassed to come. Watch. Because this spirit, this legalistic spirit, this spirit of religion, this thing will tell you, no, you, you don't go to the front for that because you've been a believer for 10 years. You've been serving God for 30 years. You know, you, but listen, if you've had it wrong all that time, it's not too late to get it right. And sometimes you need somebody to pray for you because you don't know how to pray to get it right. So don't be embarrassed to step out. Because you see, here's what, that, here's what that spirit does. People who have this spirit, this religious spirit, you know, the, the, the guy that I was talking about, he said, you know, man, it's just so much love and grace and mercy. See, this religious spirit, it, it hates all of that. Because this religious spirit says, oh, no, you can't do that. Or you can't, wear, you can't dress like that and come to church. Or you can't sing that song. Or you can't have the lights like that. You can't have smoke in a room. You can't have loud music. You can't do this. That's this and this and this. And they start doing all this listing stuff. And sooner or later, a person who has this spirit in them, they're going to voice what they think and what they say. They're going to reveal their hand of how their heart is. Listen, listen. That is, here's what's happening. That is so anti the love of God. Because this whole spirit of getting the list right, here's what it will do to you if you live by that. It will make you a judge over other people and other things. And God didn't make you a judge. And he made us a fruit inspector. Pastors, we're fruit inspectors. And the only way you're going to produce good fruit is if you have a loving, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Not the rules, not the pen, not all of this stuff. But you love God and you know your love and you know your weaknesses and he knows your weaknesses and he loves you in spite of. When you know that, it will change every aspect of your life and you will be able to walk and move and function the way he's called you to function. So, in just about a, a minute, we're gonna. The pastor's gonna come. We won't be finished, so don't 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 leave. He's gonna wrap it up, and we want to pray for you. Want to pray for you? I love you. I, I want you healthy. 
And, and listen, listen. I've served youth and children 20 years. Here's how bad it is. Listen. As a part-time, full-time youth and children's pastor, I used to think, oh, God, I dread every weekend because I felt like I had to get saved every weekend because I, oh, I didn't get that list right. I, I didn't get the three off the list this week. I didn't do this, and I didn't do that. I feel so, and I used to think, man, God has to get so tired of me coming back to him all the time. It was like every week, miserable. After we planted this church, 45 years old, started learning and studying and figuring out some things, how wrong it was and how off I was. But here's the deal. Listen to me. Listen. That voice of that law will always be talking to you. And you have to learn the difference of that voice and the Spirit's voice. And if you got one foot in, one foot out, you, you, you stay confused. But when you put both feet in and say, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to live by the Spirit of God, I'm going to live by the love and the mercy of God. God's spirit will train. Listen to me. He will train you and equip you to hear that voice and turn that voice off. There's not a day goes by in my life that I don't hear that voice. There's not a day goes by that I don't hear the voice of the law saying, oh, yeah, mm, mm -hmm, uh -huh, look, always. What do I have to learn to do? I have to learn to dismiss it because I've been discharged. I've been released from that voice. It can't help me. It is a indicator of the morals of the living God. I need to know those. So I am tutored. We'll get into that later. I'm tutored to Christ, but that's it. So I can't listen to that. You've got to listen to the right voice. You have to know your love. You've got to allow the love of God unconditionally to grab hold of you and live and love him, not from some list of performance, but live and love him from who you really are. And you watch what happens to your life. You will not be the same person. It'll change you from the inside out. Why? Because it's love. It's the most powerful force on the face of the earth. It's the love of God. Father, thank you so much for Jesus Christ. And Father, thank you for loving us so much. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will draw every person who's listened to this message that needs prayer. I pray you draw them to prayer in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you.